At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. In his address to the nation four weeks ago, President Joe Biden assured Americans that his business mandate forcing large employers to require their workers be vaccinated was legal. No, it's not legal because you say so, Joe. It's legal only when the U.S. Supreme Court rules that it is. On Thursday, predictably, a majority of the justices proved Biden wrong. His order was not legal. As Supreme Court decisions go, this was surely the easiest call the justices will have this term. Their companion decision involving federal health care facilities was also an obvious one. In that case, the government was acting as an employer with authority to enforce workplace rules requiring workers to be inoculated. Besides, they were doing it on their own. The Supreme Court upheld that aspect of Biden's order. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. To all my listeners with an IRA, 401k, or other retirement savings, have you seen the headlines today? Our federal debt has now reached over $29 trillion. What our government is not saying is that the Fed is running out of ways to fight this growing debt bomb. Inflation and tax hikes may be their only way out. We all dodged a bullet when Senator Joe Manchin announced he wouldn't support the Democrats' crazy Build Back Better plan, but the Democrats may not give up that easily. That is not good news for hardworking American taxpayers. Whatever Biden and his cronies do in 2022 may mean even higher inflation. The more the dollar comes under attack, the more physical gold and silver could protect your money. So if you have $50,000 or more in your retirement savings, your money could be at risk. Learn how you can protect your life savings from Biden's tax plans with physical gold and silver. Call 855-665-0767 to receive your wealth protection kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767 and Golco may give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualified account. That's why Goldco is the only company I recommend for gold and silver. Goldco is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a five-time Inc. winner with countless five-star reviews. So what are you waiting for? Call 855-665-0767. That's 855-665-0767. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Well, Joe Biden did it again. He managed to upend workers and businesses all across the nation, only to have his actions roundly rejected as lawless. 
It's become a pattern with Joe and a measure of his chronic incompetence. Let's revisit what happened. When President Biden, with much fanfare, announced his new nationwide vaccine mandate on September 9th, it was destined to be overturned by the Supreme Court. His sweeping and lawless order forcing COVID-19 shots impacted close to two-thirds of the American workforce. He did it without any authority, and he knew that what he was doing was lawless. But he didn't care. Hours after his announcement, I appeared on Hannity and stated that Biden's actions constituted, quote, an unconstitutional abuse of power that would inevitably be rejected by the nation's highest court. I explained that under our constitutional system, states are in charge of public health concerns as part of their police power, not the federal government. It was an easy call, a no-brainer. Any law student who was half-awake during the professor's lecture in constitutional law class would know it. And the reason is quite simple. In the history of our republic, the federal government has never ordered compulsory vaccinations because past presidents knew that they were not so empowered under the Constitution. States, on the other hand, have undertaken mandatory vaccinations. Twice the Supreme Court upheld the right of states and local officials to issue vaccine mandates or face a penalty. The first state case was in 1905 in Massachusetts. The second was in 1922 in Texas. Both involved smallpox vaccines. The Supremes ruled that states do have the power to protect the health and safety of the public from deadly contagions, but not the federal government. The state power is derived from the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, as any semi-lucid law student knows. But Joe Biden was never much of a law student. He was kicked out for plagiarism. When he was eventually let back in, his academic records show that he managed to graduate near the bottom of his class. It was embarrassing, to be sure, so Biden did what he always does. He lied about it, telling everyone that he graduated at the top of his class. Now, I'm not leveling a cheap shot because it's important. As president, Biden must be able to understand the limits of his power as defined by the Constitution. As a trained lawyer schooled in constitutional restraint, Biden should have known better. In point of fact, there is abundant evidence that he did know. For months, he told Americans that he did not possess the authority to impose a nationwide mandate. Then he ordered one anyway. He was told by White House lawyers, who apparently were awake and alert during con law, that he couldn't do it. But again, Biden didn't care. Or maybe he couldn't comprehend. Perhaps Joe thought he was being terribly clever by forcing OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, to issue the mandate for him. But OSHA didn't have the authority either. Under its rules passed by Congress, the agency can protect workers from, quote, grave dangers from exposure to substances or agents that are toxic. But wait, viruses 
are not agents under the meaning of the statute. Never have been. During oral arguments before the Supreme Court, justices asked Biden administration lawyers about that. They had no good answer. In its decision on Thursday, the justices pointed out the obvious. The COVID virus is not strictly an occupational hazard. Why, it's a hazard everywhere. It's universal. It is not unique to the workplace. Biden and OSHA, the justices said, were exceeding the bounds of their authority, which is nothing new for this president. Moreover, Biden had OSHA issue the unprecedented order under its Emergency Temporary Standard, the ETS. But wait, if it was such an emergency, why did the agency wait for the better part of a full year to issue its emergency order? Justices asked that very question. There was no good answer, of course. The truth is, Biden's mandate was political, not health-based, as law professor Jonathan Turley has correctly pointed out. The folly of Joe Biden's vaccine mandate was exposed by his own bumbling chief of staff. Shortly after his boss issued the directive, Ron Klain retweeted that it was, quote, the ultimate workaround of the Constitution. His Twitter blunder prompted a federal court to halt Biden's vaccine mandate immediately. Then, when the case rocketed to the U.S. Supreme Court, claims revealing admission that his boss was trying to circumvent the Constitution was cited by the justices repeatedly from the bench. It was, in essence, a confession of lawlessness and abuse of power. This is not the first time that Joe Biden has traduced the very law he swore to uphold. Last summer, you'll recall, Joe conceded that he had no authority whatsoever to extend the eviction moratorium imposed during the pandemic. Then he did it anyway, openly defiling the rule of law. It was another transparent workaround, getting the CDC to do Biden's dirty work. The Supreme Court put an end to it pronto. Joe did the same thing with the Pandemic Farm Loan Relief Program, deliberately excluding white farmers and ranchers, even though the racial rejection blatantly violated the Constitution. Documents show that Biden knew it was an abuse of power, but he did it anyway. As before, he just didn't care. Of course, it was quickly knocked down by the courts as little more than a pernicious attempt at racial discrimination by the federal government. You know, the kind of racial bias that Joe Biden pretends to oppose. Is this the president America wants or deserves? A man who thinks the treasured document of our nation's guiding principles should be tossed in a shredder. What is it going to take to get Biden to respect the Constitution? Well, the answer is nothing. Even his abysmal poll numbers have failed to motivate him to change course. The latest Quinnipiac poll shows that a scant 39% approve of Biden's handling of the pandemic. That number will continue to sink. His overall approval rating has descended 
to an all-time embarrassing low of 33%. His presidency is so atrocious that Joe recently said he stopped looking at the polls. Can't say as I blame him. And what do we make of the liberal justices on the Supreme Court who mangled COVID data and misrepresented established facts during oral arguments? Justice Stephen Breyer declared that there were 750 million new cases yesterday. Incorrect, indeed, impossible. That figure is more than double the U.S. population. Justice Sonia Sotomayor claimed... We have over 100,000 children in serious condition and many on ventilators. Not remotely accurate. Less than 5,000 children have been hospitalized. Sotomayor's whopper earned her four Pinocchios from the Washington Post. Not to be outdone, Justice Elena Kagan said that getting vaccinated was the best way to prevent the spread of covid And the second best way is to wear masks. Both statements were glaringly untrue, as anyone following the Delta and Omicron variants knows. Kagan apparently pays no attention to the CDC, which has confirmed that masks and vaccines do not prevent spread of the virus. Now, fortunately, the six-justice conservative majority on the Supreme Court seem to have a firm grasp of both the facts and the Constitution. They weren't buying Biden's flimsy arguments. His vaccine mandate for private employers is deader than a disco. His mandate for federal health care workers, however, was legally viable because the government was acting with some authority as an employer in Medicare and Medicaid programs. And employers do have the right to impose vaccinations on their workers. That's the law. Many healthcare facilities had already done so anyway. Virtually none challenged the order. They overwhelmingly supported it. Just hours before the Supreme Court handed down its predictable decision, adverse to Joe Biden, I spoke with Jeff Landry, the Attorney General of Louisiana, who's been leading the fight to oppose vaccine mandates since the very first mention of them in the early months of 2020. He was at the forefront of several lawsuits, and he was inside the U.S. Supreme Court for the oral arguments. Attorney General, thank you for joining me. As I mentioned, you were there for the Supreme Court hearing. Give us your overall impression of what unfolded during the nearly four hours of oral arguments. Well, you know, as a practitioner, as a lawyer, um, the the arguments seem to really um, deflate my confidence in, 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 in the court as a whole, mostly because the questions seem to be based on the merits of the case, which were really not before the court. And then Justice Breyer and Justice Sotomayor and Kagan seemed to try to inject political uh, questions and, and facts of, the, of which we know, uh, we knew at the time. And of course, we see the, main, the mainstream media basically report that, uh, that those facts were inaccurate. Um, that was the first thing. So I left the court extremely frustrated on, on, in that note. However, you know, some of the highlights I thought uh, were the fact that the chief 
basically seemed to get the point that the government was trying to, and I would quote him, occupy the shoreline and kind of go agency by agency by agency to create some sort of national vaccine mandate. You know, he mentioned workarounds. Um, you know, it's an interesting case, though. I'll tell you, Greg, and, and to me, I think it's a seminal case. And the reason is, is that the court squarely has before it the ability to curtail the administrative state like never before, uh, because the underlying question or the most important question, depending on how you want to look at it, is can the federal government mandate a medical procedure on American citizens and then coerce them with their livelihoods in order to obtain that particular mandate? Right. You know, um, and to that point, as I mentioned in, in my opening remarks, the division of police power in the United States is, is actually delineated in the Tenth Amendment, which states, and, and let me quote it if I may, the powers not dele delegated to the United States by the Constitution are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So in other words... The federal government does not hold a general police power, but may only act when the Constitution itself enumerates that power. Here it doesn't. It's the states who hold the uh, police power, which includes health and safety matters. And uh, I was impressed that Justice Neil Gorsuch in particular focused squarely on this. He argued that states have always had primary authority over things like vaccines. Uh, they can mandate vaccines. They can block uh, mandating Mac vaccines. Is that at its core the strongest argument against President Joe Biden's federally imposed mandate? Yes, I do. I think that that is, that is the, 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 the only question and, then, and I don't think that you can get above that question to have to get into the particular weeds, which was part of my disappointment. You know, and, and in reflecting on, on the case, I recognized uh, that, you know, the vacancy or the vacuum that's been created by Justice Scalia, because I can promise you that had Scalia been in the court that day, he would have he would have absolutely lectured both us, the government and the justices on exactly that point. And of course, Gorsuch started to pick that up. And I think that, that of course, I know Thomas and Alito share that same. We believe that Barrett and, and Kavanaugh do as well. This court should be, uh, it should be, this should be an easy layup for the court in these two, both of these two cases, because six right. of these justices have consistently railed, well, certainly five, we'll take the chief out. Um, five of these justices have consistently railed on the on the expansion of, of the administrative state and the eroding of the police powers. I mean, even Sotomayor, again, in in a in a in 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 a uh, incorrect statement, I guess if you would say, you know, claim that the federal government has police powers. Never before has the federal government or OSHA had a police power that has infringed upon the police powers of the state. They're reserved powers, just like you outlined. And, and, and in pandemics, the power structure, you know, and uh, Greg, is actually supposed to be inverted. Uh, and if you don't mind, I would explain. So according to the Supreme Court in Jacobson, they say that, you know, 
local governments and state governments, those police powers of health care are reserved for those particular entities and thereby they upheld a vaccine mandate in Cambridge in the early 1900s. 1902. That's correct. That's right. 1902. And so. Excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. 1905. My mistake. I, 19, that's why I said the early 1900s. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And so what, what that means is that in, in, in states of emergencies, especially pandemics, if we invert the power structure of the government, then we get the best results because government closest to the people governs best. And so it is your mayors and your governors and your legis- state legislatures and your city councils that should be able uh, to, to handle these types of crises with support from the federal government, but the federal government should not be the boss. They should be right. uh, the, uh, the, the assistant. Right. You know, the first case was in 1905, Massachusetts, as you mentioned. The second case in 1922 in Texas, both involved smallpox vaccines that were mandated by the states. And I can just hear, as you point out, Scalia, he would have said to Biden's lawyers, where in the world do you get this power? It's not the Constitution. Read the Constitution. The Tenth Amendment reserves this police power for health and safety to the states. He would have put them on the spot. I think you're absolutely correct about it. But let me ask you this. How much did Biden's business mandate, uh, how much did it hurt that mandate that Biden's own chief of staff, Ron Klain, essentially confessed in a tweet that his boss was trying to work around or circumvent the limits of the Constitution. Well, I mean, if let's think about this. This is all being done in the name of an emergency, right? And normally an emergency means that something must be done immediately. The president announced that he wanted to do this in September. They never got the rule out until November, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Right. And the vaccine has been around since since January, December, January, the year before. I mean, if it was an emergency, why did it take them essentially 10 or 11 months? Well, and and, and I I can't remember which justice kind of pointed that out to an extent. Well, wait a minute. Could you, could you wait a little longer? Is this really an emergency? Uh, You know, and of course, then Breyer would start to fire back that we were going to just kill patients and that healthcare workers were going to kill patients. But, you know, to that comment, I would say, well, what about when the virus first came on our shores? What about the first line health providers who rushed into uh, uh, those hospitals to take care of those that were infected at the time, like a fireman running into a burning building to save someone? There were doctors that contracted the, the, the disease in the very uh, beginning of the pandemic, and, and some of them perished. Um, yet they continue to work on trying to save lives. And so, you know, that's part of my problem with these mandates is that now all of a sudden, we're get, the government knows better how healthcare workers should take care of themselves. I mean, think about that in itself. That's almost an oxymoron, uh, Greg. I mean, the government knows how to to tell healthcare workers the better way to take care of themselves after <laughs> healthcare workers went almost a whole year without any type of, of vaccine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, let me talk uh, a little bit about OSHA because that was the focus of uh, a great deal of the arguments. You know, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, I think Biden 
knew that he didn't have the uh, authority to issue the vaccine order himself. So he tried to do an end run by using OSHA as a way to impose uh, mandatory inoculations. I mean, that is completely, as I read the OSHA law passed by Congress, a, a stretch. Viruses have never been regarded as, quote, substances or toxins in the workplace under the language of the OSHA statute, have they? No, they haven't. And if we wanted to, or if Congress wanted to, and and that's another key component that's missing in this discussion. And I think Roberts alluded to it a couple of different times. We have a policymaking body at the federal level. And if there is that big of an emergency, Congress can act. I mean, look, Congress acted pretty fast to spend a lot of money. And and our right. Solicitor General Liz Muro actually mentioned that in her argument in that she said, look, if Congress wanted to do this, they could have inserted it in this in like the CARES Act and any of the spending bills under which they spent trillions of dollars in order to combat this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, Chief Just- Justice uh, John Roberts asked, the very pointed question that you that you bring up. He said, quote, why doesn't Congress have a say in this? Uh, and, and of course, Roberts knew, as did other justices, that Biden was trying to do an end run around Congress because he knew he couldn't get uh, a mandatory vaccine passed through Congress. But let me ask you this. Biden spent months saying he had no power to impose vaccine mandates. His press secretary said it. Others in the White House publicly said it. Indeed, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Biden's chief medical advisor, said we have no authority to do it. Then they suddenly and magically reversed themselves and they did it. Didn't that undermine their position in front of the Supreme Court that the business mandate was legal. It should. It, I don't know if it did, but it, it certainly should undermine their credibility in front of uh, at least six of those justices. Three of them seem to be um, a little bit, um, uh, they, they, they don't quite have all of the facts uh, in front of them, or if they do, they have some contorted or twisted facts. But yes, it should. I mean, look, the the entire credibility of this administration has been blown away and was probably blown away in the first 60 days after they they swore the president in. Right. You know, and and Biden does this over and over again with a farm loan program. uh, You know, he, he knew he didn't have the authority to base it on race, but he did it anyway. And of course, uh, the courts uh, kick that aside. Uh, the, you know, the eviction uh, notices, eviction notice. That's what I meant. The eviction notice, you know, he, he said over and over, I, I can't do that. I don't have the authority or the power to do it. And then he did it. And of course, that was rejected by the Supreme Court as well. Um, let me switch subjects slightly. Uh, millions of people, as you well know, oppose getting vaccinated. Many of them cite personal freedom and liberty to make their own decisions. And Justice Alito brought that up, uh, saying that forced vaccination doesn't just affect workers on the job, but, quote, also when you're not on the job and for the rest of your life, end of quote. That's an important point, isn't it? That's a 
that that is the most important point because unlike a mask, you can't leave the vaccine at the doorstep of your employer, right? Which you could do with a mask, you know, if we if you want to argue that. It, it, and and to me, what we were there for to argue, because remember, we were in front of the court not on the merits of the case, but on the injunctions, one that was upheld and one that was dissolved. And and the threshold is is if the court proceeds without the stay. Does the complainants, right, do those affected, do they suffer irreparable harm? And by what your statement in Alito's, the answer to that is absolutely yes, they do. You know, Biden promised during the campaign when he was running for president, he would, quote, shut down the virus, said it over and over again. That was always a farce uh, that, you know, I think he peddled just to get elected. It sounded good. And he thought, well, people will vote for me if I say it. But now all of a sudden, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he confesses to uh, state governors during a teleconference that there's, quote, no federal solution. Um, and, And now we see his administration shifting to finally admitting that COVID in one form or another, is going to be with us for a long, long time. It cannot be shut down. Uh, Your reaction? Yeah, look, uh, this administration and some of the top folks at the CDC and NIH, including starting with Dr. Fauci, have consistently given the American people double talk. And quite frankly, I'm afraid that they have done the health care services in this country the biggest disservice by by eroding the credibility of healthcare and and doctors. Um, you know, Fauci said masks don't work, and he said you need to wear a mask. He said vaccines were gonna be the panacea. We find out that they're not. Then they said if you got a booster, that's gonna fix it, and we find out that maybe you need another one. I mean, think about that. We just keep going down this this road of of trying to cover the last lie that you told us. Yeah. I mean, for the longest period of time, you know, Biden said, well, if you get vaccinated, you won't have to wear a mask. (laughs) Fauci said the same thing. Now, of course, we realize uh, that, you know, if you get vaccinated, you you still get the contagion and masks don't really work. They're they're more like a face ornament now. Well, let me make Um, it. Let me make, if I may, make this one point, which I think it's important, because while we were in front of the court, when we come out on Friday, Okay, while we're discussing and Briar and Sotomayor and I'm throwing their fits about uh, the virus and who, you're going to kill people and people are going to catch the virus and you have to be vaccinated. Or, and we know that's not true. Right. California then implements a rule that says if you are a healthcare worker and even though you test positive, but you're asymptomatic, come back to work. Right. <laughs> now, think about no, that. A, I mean, it, I think it, at the same time, we're in front of the court. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, My last question to you, Attorney General, is uh, the lesser important case. It involved the federal mandate for healthcare workers treating Medicare and Medicaid patients. That strikes me, and I think the justices felt this way, uh, even the conservative majority, that that's a more reasonable mandate because the feds are acting essentially as employers. So 
to some extent, they're entitled to impose conditions when they're spending their own money. Would you anticipate that the Supreme Court will certainly strike down the the federal business mandate, but they may uphold the health care mandate? Well, it's interesting because it, it certainly seems that way. The problem the justices have is they're going to really have to dig down into a magic box, okay, or pull out a, a, a gold medal gymnast to jump over decades and decades of federal procedure and precedent because, and here's why, this is important. Of course, I hate to get into the weeds. The C, what was before the court in the CMS mandate was whether or not to uphold the injunction. So the Fifth Circuit upheld it. And, and the threshold for the court to then reverse that injunction is extremely high. So the bar is real high. They give great deference to the district court judge and to the appellate court. So they're really in this, I believe, they're in this little trick box if they want to do what you insinuate. They, they, they're yeah. going to have a hard time striking OSHA because they got to reinstate an injunction and then dissolve an injunction. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be interesting. And they, you know, they may just say, look, most uh, federal health care workers involved in Medicare, and Medicaid have already uh, vaccinated on their own. Um, w- w- we need not make a decision on that matter. They may just do that. Uh, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Your insights are much appreciated. And that's the brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.